welcome to the Naughty Child Podcast with me, Richard. And me, Polly. I'm the dad. And I'm the daughter. I did everything before I leave. I need to find that bag on my coins. Alex Hartley took us off air in Brighton earlier this year. I'm a huge fan of Pepper. We thought we were really funny. So Bobby, I'm doing <laughs> a podcast, man. Come on. <laughs> well, my dog is now called Jimmy Anderson. Oh, well, Manchester Originals aren't through to the Eliminators, so I've got to change Do you cook French food? Like, do you cook frog legs and snails? Oh, uh, I just locked myself in a procedure room. That Sophie Eccleston's the worst. Like, having a child with you when she's on tour. I don't know whether it shows something about me or whether it just shows I'm a little bit stupid. Hey, Polly, you've had a busy week this week. I have had a busy week. In fact, I wanted to just mention, or I don't think it's an elephant in the room at all, really. Maybe it's just my perspective. Um, But I think the episode quality has been slightly down recently. Um, In terms of editing, it has been quite poor on my part. Um, Yeah, I've had a bit of a shocker the last couple of weeks. You've had some um, mares, Paul, but I have had some okay. mares. The the thing I need to say mm-hmm. is that you do everything. <laughs> I just turn up and talk, and the amount of work you put into the pod is just crazy. Yeah. Considering you're trying to do A levels at the same time, uh, and all your other fingers in various pies, mm-hmm. being a football journalist, <laughs> and all sorts of stuff, um, and something has to give and so yeah yeah. but I I guess we are aware quality of product is really Mm, important yeah and I'm the sort of person I hate when something isn't perfect Mm. um like I always want everything to be perfect and as as soon as you come down you're like oh you missed that and I'm just like how and it's frustrating because a lot of the time so this part I'll always edit on a Thursday night um Mm. normally around 10 o'clock um I mean the rest of it I'll find another time in the week but yeah. Having said that, I think you've been quite unlucky in that mm. probably the last four or five guests we've interviewed, mm. the internet has really played up. Yeah. And then that actually gives you a, a massive job in yeah. very carefully editing together little fragments yeah. of, of breaking up audio yeah. to, to make yeah. sense. Um, whereas when the internet's working well, it's, it's hard. easy. Yeah. It? yeah. So I appreciate what you do, Polly, and I know you have high standards and we want to deliver a quality product. So we apologise to our audience if, uh, yeah, it's not quite the the depths that we plumbed to when we put a family Zoom call out instead. My gosh, that was like, that was honestly one of like the worst moments of my life. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that was not great. Um. But, but yes, please be patient with Polly over the next few months. as she's... Yeah, I was going to say, the next few months are going to uh-huh. be a little bit um, all over the place. So mm. we'll see what happens. Yeah. Um, but we want to keep our game up because I noticed there's another new women's cricket podcast coming out. I saw that. I was like, oi, trying to, trying to take Sports. our jobs. Uh, I mean, it's going to be inferior. Isn't it? I mean, obviously, they, you can't compare to us. Dagnall and Greenway. I mean, what experience they have? Exactly. <laughs> um, well, it'll probably get a lot more listens than us, but do you know what? They'll get better guests, but do you know what? That's fine. Heather Knight. It's like, well, who would you rather have, Heather Knight, or the, we get better guests than that? We do. So 
yeah no we we love when other podcasts pop up so it's fine um we're we're still a niche so it's all right yeah, they're, they're co-workers not rivals oh 100 percent. yeah charles dagnall my co-worker <laughs> yeah i don't think it quite works like that um in fact actually we're talking about me messing up you messed up the other week and i thought before we have the episode with this interview in we need to talk about it so we had changed the schedule of this episode. Originally, we'd set a different day and it didn't quite work out. So we changed it. And um, I woke up on the Saturday morning and was like, oh, I'll do a bit of prep. And I was looking around the house. I was like, where is everyone? I was really confused. And um, I went up to upstairs and my mum was in the kitchen. I was like, oh, where's dad gone? She said, oh, he went on a run. I was like, what? I was like, we're recording. We're doing an interview in 15 minutes. And you're on a run somewhere. I've no idea where you are. And I was like, well, how far was he running? About 10k. I was like, well, how fast does he think? Like, when did he leave? How fast do you think he's going to do it? And so I was just like, oh my gosh. And this is the issue. I'm the one that then has to deal with that situation. So I messaged our guest, Orla Prendergast, and I kind of threw you under the bus and was like, um, so Richard actually is a lot slower than he thinks. Um, so he's not back yet. Would we be able to postpone by about half an hour? Um, and she was fine with it. She was fine with it, but um, yeah. So I think we we are evens on podcast yeah. mistakes. So yeah, I left at quarter past ten, and we were doing the interview at eleven, <laughs> and I did ten k. So forty five minutes. Um, yeah, mm. yeah. It, it was it was quarter past eleven before I got yeah. home, but. It was fine, yeah. but yeah, and it, and it made us even, so it's all good. Um, anyway, talking a bit about cricket, there's been some big news with the women's ashes. So Somerset have sold out their ODI. I don't actually know how many seats Somerset is. I don't think it's that big, but it's sold out. Is it similar um, size to Worcester? I would imagine so, because it's got that sort of same, almost one tier. I think one of the grounds has... Uh, like one of the uh, stands has a second tier, but it is relatively small. Um, however, Edgebaston are also pushing to sell out. So they've sold 15,500 tickets. It's not um, bad, is it? Which I believe is a record. I think I bought um, a few of those. I think you have. <laughs> um, so that's really positive. So hopefully the summer will be amazing with big crowds. Um, and yeah, to sell out, I suppose, a couple of months ahead of of the actual game is amazing. Yeah, I, I mean, it's it's good marketing, isn't it? It's good marketing. Oh, right. Now, according to um, the internet, Google says 8,500 mm-hmm. for Taunton, brackets 12,500 for internationals. Uh-huh. So if they're bringing in temporary stands and stuff, yeah. it will be 12,500. 12, so I don't know which one they'll be using for this mm. match. I would imagine it would be the 12,500. It's pretty good, isn't it? Yeah, which is really good. Um, but just the the game is moving on mm, in leaps and bounds, isn't yeah. it? I mean, even two years ago, that would have been pretty unthinkable. I know, yeah. So we went to the test match in Bristol. <laughs> yeah. You know, there were a couple of hundred there mm. maybe on the last day. Yeah. It wasn't very many there at all. Um, you know, and you sense that, you know, things... Well, the hundreds changed everything, hasn't it? Yeah. I mean, you think about Leicester last year. That was like the hottest day as well. Mm-hmm. And it was really full. Yeah, it was, wasn't um, it? Yeah. I mean, it wasn't a sellout, but there were, there was a big crowd there. So 
change is happening. I think it is, it's going to be a gradual process, but it's, yeah, positive signs already. Um, I'm just hoping there's a good crowd for the test match, certainly the days when it's the weekend, mm. um, which will be really good. Um, so it, it does feel like the cricket season is almost just about, about around the corner. Hey, this time last week we had a snow day. I know. Well, it was funny because everyone, uh, well, I specifically saw it with Warwickshire, was posting pictures of the ground. I was like, there's no way. There's no way we're going to have the cricket season in a couple of weeks. But um, it is all very exciting. Mm. Yeah, yeah, it's brilliant. So other news that's come through this week. Uh, today, it, it gone to press about the retirement mm-hmm. from international cricket of Dane van Nierkirk. Which we kind of all knew about, yeah. Because Marisan Kappa posted various things about it, yeah. But um, it 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 bothers me, yeah. It it really bothers me because I think it's been handled badly. Mm-hmm. I think she's been badly hurt and let mm. down by it. I think when people are great servants of the game, mm. they need honouring. Yeah. Now. We've talked about this on the pod before. Not everyone can leave under their own terms. Exactly. In fact, it's very rare. Yeah. It's very rare. You know, I think of Alistair Cook, yeah. Oval Test yeah. match, scores a century, mm. walks off the pitch, raising his bat, everyone's mm. applauding, and he retires to international cricket. Mm. Those are wonderful moments, aren't they? Yeah. But actually, most people's career comes to an end. Mm-hmm. When it, they get dropped and yeah. they fizzle out. <laughs> exactly. But... This does seem premature, yeah, and it's very much against her will. Mm. And uh, yeah, I had a little look at the statement that she put out, and she wrote, We are merely custodians of this sport. I hand it over, knowing I have given it my everything, and that women's cricket is in a better place than when I arrived. That must be the responsibility of the new group to always make sure you're improving and make a difference. It is time for me to support the new leadership and wish them all the very best. She is so gracious. I, I was about to say that. Um, because she's been harshly, yeah. harshly yeah. treated. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah, and she's not the only one. No. Um, and I, in her position, I think I would feel quite embittered yeah. by it. Yeah, yeah. So, well done, you good and faithful servant, yeah. Dano van Neerkirk. Mm. Um, yeah, we we really think you're amazing. Mm. Uh, in our hearts, we honour you yeah. um, for what you've done. And uh, I know you're not appreciated by everyone, mm. but um, true cricket fans really, really appreciate yeah. what you've done for the game. Yeah, I, I think it's just, it's really, it's really sad to see. It's, it's a real shame that, that someone that good is being treated. I think also because of actually how public some of the horrific treatment has been. Mm. Um, like I saw an article that was released earlier in the week, which Danny actually responded to, which was saying she's been axed out the team, there's been fat shaming, all this stuff. Um, I but, think it was on Fox, wasn't it? Yeah, but I was, yeah, I was quite surprised by by all that. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, we have nothing but admiration mm. for her. Yeah, and I think also for for Marizan Cap as well, who obviously has to now continue in that South African side. Um, that must be really challenging. We spoke about that during the World Cup. Um, but yeah, it, mu- it must be quite strange for them as well to be out in the WPL when there, re- there are so many eyes on them at the moment. Um, and also they are surrounded by their 
you know, some of them, they're international teammates, or former international teammates or people they've played against. So it must be kind of a strange scenario. Um, but yeah, I just think she's been treated so, so badly and this should just never, ever, ever happen to anyone else because mm. yes, I get there's a point where people have to retire, but this doesn't feel like it because this isn't a situation of she's in in bad form and mm. she's not good for the team. Actually, she's really valuable for that South African side. I, I guess I mean we talked about Charlotte Edwards yeah. before, haven't we? We talked to Mark Robinson about mm. that decision that, yeah. that he made, and I guess the difference with that is that she was at least six years older. Yeah, I think so. She was what thirty five, thirty six, yeah. um, even older than that. I think mm. when Mark Robinson effectively pulled the plug on her yeah. international. Um, mm. career and so it it felt like she wasn't honoured in the way that no. she ought to be um, but there was a kind of rationale mm. behind it which again it must have been really really hurtful and yeah. she's well she spoke yeah. to us about that didn't she and how she had to really go away and uh, and have a mourning period about mm. it really uh, but has come back strong and mm. you know is such an important part of the game and, and I guess my hope for Danae is that she becomes a, a really influential and important part of of cricket around the world and cricket mm. in South Africa because yeah. I just think that's where her heart is as well. And I'm just looking forward to seeing her in the hundred. Yeah, as well, that because, would be really good. Um, so she'll be winning it again, whoever she plays for. A hundred percent. Well, we've got the hundred draft coming up this time next week, actually. Mm -hmm. So it's four p.m. on the twenty third. Um, so that I'm really really excited for the draft to see who goes where and I suppose how it works a bit um, because obviously we've never had a draft in the women's side. Um, but other franchise tournaments, the WPL, is there's been all sorts going on. There's been... Do you see the appeal that was in reverse? No, tell me about that. I can't remember the full details, but they were. I think they were appealing for LBW, possibly. Mm -hmm. it, it was clearly hitting the bat, the bat. But when they went upstairs, like they showed the delivery like in reverse or something like there was something okay. really strange. So it made it look like it was out, but it was not out. And so then essentially the players kind of overturned the fact and because everyone was in agreement, even even the batter. But I can't remember the full situation. Um, Sounds a bit of a shambles. Yeah, it was all over the place. Yeah, I, I WPL seems really good. I, yeah. We don't have Sky. Yeah, so, so we have not seen any of it. I've seen like little clips on Twitter of people taking catches. Yeah. So it's been really hard to follow, actually. I mean, on Sky's YouTube channel, though, again, are just a few mm. clips. And because there isn't radio coverage that no. I'm aware of, and it's happening during the working day, yeah. I, you know, I kind of catch up on the results yeah. on the internet and see who's yeah. like, I know who's doing well, I know who's not doing well, but, but it's hard to follow. Yeah. So I feel a little bit out of the loop on it, really. Yeah. Um, I think also because a lot of the like domestic players we don't know, yeah. so that makes it kind of harder to follow because you see the names and then you're trying to think, oh, did they do well last time, <laughs> whatever. But um, yeah, I don't know. It's interesting. I think yeah, the coverage hasn't been great from like a, a people without Sky perspective, but it's <laughs> well, that, about the money. So that's the point, isn't it? You know, yeah, um, that is they, kind of the they're point. trying to get us to shell out hundred quid a month. Yeah, and the banks. Is there anything else we need to talk about before we introduce our guest? Um, I don't think so. I, I think it's St. Patrick's Day. 
it is St. Patrick's Day, so we've got this episode, mm-hmm. but we've got a little bonus episode that will just be on our YouTube um, with some of our guests that we've had on before, some clips from them talking about playing cricket for Ireland and all that sort of thing. So, yeah, happy St. Patrick's Day and enjoy Brilliant. our episode with all Prendergast. So what's your cricket story and how did you first get into cricket? Um, yeah, so I think it's probably the classic story really where a parent played and my dad used to play a lot of cricket um, growing up and then my brother started playing and yeah, I just joined him playing in the garden and then went down to my local club and just loved it from the get-go really. And what was the pathway like to where you are now? How did you get into the Irish team? Um, yeah, so I played for Leinster Cricket Club first and then I moved to Pembroke um, when I was about 10 or 11 and then I started playing for Leinster um, Province and then for kind of under 13 and under 15s and then the Irish 15s came in so I played their Irish 17s, Irish Academy and then made it down to the senior team. And, and I guess I guess you must play other sports as, as well, you know, so I guess at school you weren't particularly playing cricket. Yeah, I played a lot of cricket during the summer um, and football was kind of my priority outside that, I suppose. Yeah, so you played uh, under-17s Irish football, didn't you? Yeah, I did, yeah. Um, it's kind of a weird one. Yeah, growing up, I, I was definitely better at football growing up, to be honest. Um, so I had a lot more interest in that and it was definitely always my priority. Um, and then, I don't really know, there was just kind of a flip in my my opinion on it, I suppose, one summer. Um one of the girls um, in my club, a more much more experienced player, um, came to me and said, would you just kind of consider giving cricket a proper go for the summer and go and I think there was three or four tours set for that summer and just give it a proper go for three or four months and see how I go. And yeah, I just absolutely loved it. It's such a good team environment. And yeah, it was the easiest decision ever, really. You're one of these really annoying people, I bet, who is just really good at every sport you try. I mean, did you play <laughs> Gaelic sports as well? I bet you were quite good at those. Um, no, I actually never played Gaelic or hurling growing up. Um, yeah, I think neither of my parents played, so it just wasn't really something I got into. But yeah, I played I played a lot of other sports, tennis, basketball, hockey, um, everything else really I could. Unbelievable. <laughs> I, I love it when we talk to cricketers uh, who are clearly have made it successful. And, and um, we sort of talk about their journey into the national team and they just sort of talk about as if they just turned up to their club every day and then one day they got picked for the national team as if it's an automatic thing that just happens to everyone. Um, well, the decision paid off because, of course, now you're playing for Ireland and you got a contract last year. What difference has that contract made to you? Yeah, massive difference. Um, I'm on an education one, so I've kind of been working on my degree alongside it. So hopefully I'll finish my degree this coming summer and then can go full time playing cricket. But for the time being, it's probably the best of both worlds, really. It's a great position to be in where I can train a lot with cricket and really work on my game and complete a degree alongside it um, and that's the case for a lot of us on education ones and then there's I think eight or nine girls maybe on full-time ones and um, so they don't have to work at all outside cricket which is obviously a massive benefit to their own personal games so it's made a huge difference for all of us back home. I'm going to say this with my dad hat on I think education contracts are brilliant uh, and we don't have them in England uh, and so I think what that effectively does is encourages you know quite young girls to to just drop their education very very early you know so we've got players who are you know 16 who are who are getting full-time professional contracts which I just think is really 
short-sighted because in your case you're, you're going to go into a into a professional career with a degree behind you bearing in mind you're probably not going to be a cricketer in 20 years time and you'll have another you know, I don't know how many years of working life ahead of you yeah no absolutely I think it's it's definitely a brilliant initiative for Cricket Ireland Um, I think cricket can go either way at times injuries anything like that so to have a fallback is massively important. Um, yeah, so it'll be great. I believe everyone in the squad will have a degree once they do go full-time playing cricket. So, yeah, it's absolutely great. Yeah, I, I think that's fantastic. Tell me about your degree. What are you studying and where? Um, I'm studying sport and exercise management in UCD. Um, yeah, so in final year now, nearly there, hopefully. And um, we'll finish off this year. And, yeah, I've really enjoyed it. It's It's been a good three years, a bit COVID-hampered. Um, but, no, it's been good. That's good. Yeah, in fact, you're, you're the same age as my eldest child who's also uh, in their final year at, at university except they're having to um uh, write cvs and apply for things and, and look for jobs <laughs> and things at the moment but i guess that's all kind of sorted for you which is great yeah it's it's a it's a weird one a good few of my friends in college are now talking about cvs and getting ready to get into the working world and looking to apply for jobs and i suppose i'm in quite a different position in um that scenario going into the cricket world but yeah uh, so you recently toured to Pakistan. Tell us about what that experience was like, Um, you know, going to a completely different country and having to get used to the conditions of playing there. Yeah, that was an absolutely incredible tour, to be honest. And um, we received amazing hospitality um, from Pakistan Cricket Board. And yeah, it's it's a it was a very memorable tour. Um, the conditions, I think, we started off with an OD series against them and it didn't didn't go quite as well as we hoped, probably. Um, it was three tough enough games. Um. But I suppose there was a bit of getting used to the conditions in there. And then we really pulled up well in the T20 series and came back um, to win that 2-1. So, yeah, it was it's definitely a series or a tour and a series I'll never forget. Um, and it's one I look back very fondly on. But I think thinking back to Zimbabwe when you made your debut as well, um, I noticed in, in that game for your debut, you you know you batted pretty well. I think you got 26 from 22, uh, but you didn't get uh, bowled at all. So so you weren't used as a bowler. Do you think your position as an all-rounder has sort of developed in the in the couple of years since uh, since you made um, it? Yeah, no, I've I've been hampered by injury quite a lot. Um, so I think in a lot of games where I haven't bowled, it's, it's probably a lot to do with uh, my injury. I had an ankle injury and then a stress fracture in my foot. So they're kind of two kind of considerable injuries I had in the space of would be about 18 months. So it, it was it was pretty rough kind of 18 months regarding that uh, that foot. But um, what was that? Yeah, that game in Zimbabwe. Yeah, um, I think, yeah, I think I did bat I think I was batting in the middle order um, and I suppose my role has kind of evolved a bit I came into the squad as definitely a bowling all-rounder and more of a, a finisher at the end I suppose and in T20 and um, my role has changed a fair bit in that regard now batting three Um, but no I think I definitely did come into the squad as much more of a bowling all-rounder but I don't really know what I consider myself more of at the moment. Well, you had a fantastic World Cup with bat and ball. Talk us through that warm-up game against Australia because you got Beth Mooney and Meg Lanning out, I think, but they're in single figures. And then obviously Ireland went on to beat Australia, which was kind of the big headline before the tournament. Yeah, um, that was an absolutely amazing day, to be honest. Um, I think it's it's a weird one because it was probably one of the highlights of the tournament that wasn't actually within the World Cup. Um, but yeah, I suppose to get Meg Lanning and Beth Mooney out is definitely something I'm quite proud of and um, two obviously incredible players and that game yeah I don't really have words for it to be honest looking back I still sometimes can't quite believe it happened um yeah I think it was just complete team performance um especially batting wise I think yeah 
I don't think any player scored over 35, so everyone really chipped in and it was a complete team performance. And yeah, it was just an absolutely amazing experience. So of course, in England here, we've got the Ashes coming up this summer, which is, you know, it, I suppose in our mind is as big as the World Cup, really. So what are your tips? Because I don't think many people in the England team have ever been on the winning side against Australia. So so what are your tips for the England team to, uh, to regain <laughs> the Ashes this summer? That's a good question, yeah. <laughs> It's hard to know really what what the difference was. I think I think something we talk about a lot as a team is our intent with the bat and it's it's something that doesn't always go right, definitely. Um you can it can come off some days and then other days it doesn't come off. So I think sticking to that and for that to come off against a team as good as Australia was massively pleasing for us. Um so yeah, I think going out and taking the game on as much as possible. And you ended up in the team of the tournament from the World Cup. How did you feel kind of leaving the tournament? Obviously, as a team, you didn't manage to win a game, but from you know an individual point of view, it was an excellent tournament. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think I yeah I thoroughly enjoyed it. I really enjoyed the experience. Um, and looking back at some of those games, are definitely fond memories. But. I think, yeah, as you said, we came away winless and that was the main objective going over was to definitely come away with at least one or two wins. Um, so I suppose not to achieve that goal is massively disappointing and we know kind of areas that we need to change and improve on to hopefully compete with those teams better and come away with wins in the future. Um, but yeah, no, looking back on the World Cup, it was a great tournament and yeah, some great memories there. And it's a great time for Irish cricket at the moment, I just think, you know, um, both in the, the women's and the men's game. It seems like the development and the progress that's been made is fantastic. And you've got a, a new stadium being developed as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, hopefully that stadium will get in the work soon. And that'd be great to have that here. And hopefully we could begin to host um, a lot more series and hopefully tournaments here um, on the back of that. And yeah, huge, huge growth and improvement in the game here. Definitely. I think the contract plays a huge role in that um, being introduced a year ago now and then hopefully year on year they'll keep growing and building hopefully more contracts will be introduced and I think the under 19s World Cup hopefully will have um, a lot of girls will have gone over to that and enjoyed that and hopefully see that there is a living to be made um, in cricket here and just encourage more and more girls to keep playing and stick at it and hopefully play for Ireland one day. And that's, I guess that's the thing in Ireland as well, is just getting people to to know about the sport as much as anything else, because it's quite a crowded uh, sporting scene in Ireland, isn't it? But I suppose what helps in that is that I noticed you're the Irish Times um, Female Sports Person of the Month this month. Yeah, um, yeah, definitely. I think cricket is definitely goes under the radar in Ireland. I don't think a lot of people, whenever I tell anyone that I play cricket, really, they're like, oh, it's such a random one. Like, it's it's just not considered a mainstream sport here whatsoever. So it can definitely be a struggle to compete with those like Gaelic, hurling, camogie, um, sports like that that have a lot more popularity. Um, and yeah, I think being named Sportswoman of the Month hopefully will encourage players, probably get cricket out there a bit more here and encourage young girls, anyone interested in cricket, to hopefully take it up and see how they like it. Yeah, you mentioned the under-19s, um, obviously going to the first ever under-19 World Cup for for the women's side. What was it like seeing, I suppose, the next generation of, of players playing out there? Yeah, amazing. Um, I think two of our girls, Georgina Dempsey and Amy Hunter, were over there. Um, Amy was captaining and... Yeah, they, they had a great tournament. It was definitely great to watch them. Um, definitely a lot of talent there. And hopefully, yeah, as I said, 
a lot of them would have enjoyed themselves and hopefully stick at it now and hopefully push on to get into that senior squad. Looking forward uh, to this summer, of course, the the hundred is happening, and uh, we couldn't help noticing that, that you've uh, your name's forward to going to the hundred draft. How hopeful are you of gained, gaining a hundred contract this summer? Um, yeah, I stuck the name in just kind of out of hope. Um, I suppose you never know. I think it can definitely be hard as an Irish player, kind of a smaller nation, to get picked up. Um, so yeah, I'm not kind of massively confident or um. I'm I'm hopeful, but I wouldn't say I'm massively expectant um, to get a contract. But look, even as an injury replacement, anything like that, to get to go over an experience, it would be hugely beneficial as a player for myself and my improvement. Um, so hopefully if any opportunity was to arise, um, I'd absolutely love it. Yeah, no, that would be brilliant because we've we've had Gabby over play last year and the year before, and then obviously Laura's out in Pakistan at the moment. So there, there are opportunities arising. And we saw with... Um, the women's Premier League that Tara Norris obviously she does play in England but as technically like an associate player for USA she got picked up so you would think your chances you know playing for Ireland are are a lot higher with with the franchise tournaments yeah no definitely um yeah that was absolutely amazing to see an associate player uh, take the first five for up the tournament in WPL and yeah Gabby's been over to the 100 a couple of times and played regional cricket in England and um, which has been great for her and hopefully can kind of get the Irish name out a little bit more and a few more opportunities may arise from there. So what's the schedule for Ireland uh, this summer? I, I should have looked this up in advance, actually. I, I don't know. So so when when's the next cricket you do to be playing? Um, yeah, so our domestic season starts in about six weeks, I think, with the Super Series starting. Um, and then we have a couple of tours over summer. I think we head to the West Indies um, in June, July. So that's kind of our next big tournament and um, so those will be championship games and definitely games will be targeted to come away with a few wins yeah I mean that's that's absolutely right isn't it and you think about uh you know your experience at the world cup and the, even though you didn't win a game those games were close and there were opportunities to win and then you think about how you performed in Pakistan as well you know winning that series so I, I think you've got a really good chance of, of certainly uh, getting some wins under your belt in the West Indies and not a bad place to go mm-hmm. in order to uh, kind of uh, ply your trade as well yeah, no, definitely. And that'll be a great tour, hopefully. I don't think we know exactly where we're heading within the West Indies yet, but I think, yeah, we're all hugely excited for that. Um, and yeah, as you said, I think those World Cup games coming close to those very high quality teams is definitely something we can take a huge amount of confidence from, especially that game against the West Indies. Um, massively disappointing, I suppose, to win on, I think it was the second last ball of the game. Um, but look, to come that close to a quality side is hugely pleasing and we, we've identified definite areas that we can change and improve on um, to hopefully win those games going forward. Um, so yeah, that'll be hopefully a great series this coming summer. And you're very early on in your cricket career, but what things do you want to achieve before you retire in hopefully many years' time? <laughs> um, yeah, I suppose it's not something I've given a massive amount of thought to. I think my main focus at the moment is just hopefully improving as a player, improving as a team and kind of competing with those top teams a lot more often and coming away with more wins against them. And that's kind of my current focus at the moment. Uh, But I suppose going forward, I think to play in franchise cricket, the 100 or something like that would be something I'd definitely um, look to do um, throughout my career. Um, And yeah, I think just play as long as I can for Ireland, hopefully win a lot of caps for them and yeah, come away with a lot of wins from our games. And it's that balance that's going to be the big challenge, I think, for everyone of your generation coming through as to what priority that playing for your international team takes and what priority playing for a franchise takes. Because clearly one potentially could pay a, a, an awful lot more uh, than another. But but there is something about playing for your national team, which is 
it's really important. It kind of gives you the credibility then to go on and and, and build a career in, in the franchise um, system as well. Yeah, no, definitely. I think we've seen um, a few a few players obviously take the route of franchise cricket of late um, over playing for their country. Um, but yeah, I think I absolutely love playing for Ireland, to be honest. Um, it's it's an amazing experience every time I go out there. I love putting on the green shirt. Um, and yeah, the team environment that we have is something quite special, really. Um, an extremely close-knit group. Um, and yeah, every tour I go on, it's it's such a pleasure to be a part of the group. Um, so yeah, I absolutely love playing for Ireland. I definitely wouldn't want to change that anytime soon. It's been absolutely brilliant speaking to you. Thank you so much for your time. Uh, all that, and wish you all the best for, the, for the season ahead. And uh, fingers crossed we'll see you over here playing in the 100. Uh, Polly, I'm just sipping my pint of Guinness here. You're not. It's a nine fifty on a Thursday night. I don't think you should be having Guinness at this time. Ah, okay. No, I'm not actually. But happy St Patrick's Day (laughs) to everyone. Uh, Wasn't it great to talk to Orla? It was really good because she, I think, is one of the most exciting players in women's cricket at the moment. Um, I really hope she gets into the hundred. I think she'd be class. She's a great all rounder. Uh, the franchises love all-rounders. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I mean, yeah, to get in the the team of the tournament for the World Cup, incredible achievement. Really, really brilliant. Yeah, yeah. Great to see that profile being given to, um, I suppose, players outside of the, the top three, mm. the top six nations. Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, so we'll be back next week with another guest with another guest uh, but in the meantime you can follow our social media so our twitter is oochild podcast and our instagram is naughty child podcast <laughs>